Perhaps the most controversial topic of discussion in our day revolves around truth. Opinions often blur the lines of an objective truth. Streaming platforms, social media, and other mediums allow individuals to project their truths upon the masses like never before. In the midst of woke, cancel culture, religious freedoms, political liberties, social injustice, we attempt to search for and reveal the truth. This is Truth Truth Revival. (laughs) Like that? Yeah. (laughs) Pretty good, ain't it? Yeah. All right. So uh, the Truth Revival, season one, I believe this is episode six. My name is Roman Hamilton. With me today is... Sherry Raby. Sherry Raby and... Missy Carter. Missy Carter. I've got these ladies in here today. We're going to do a book review. We've been trying to get ourselves organized so that our content can be released with frequency, and we're hoping we can release about every week, if not sooner. So our, our listeners have been asking for it, and we're trying to respond. And I had these ladies read this book called Radical. We started reading this probably about two months ago, wouldn't you say, Missy? Yes. Several months ago, and then Sherry joined along with us. And this is a book that I have wanted to read for a really, really long time. This book was actually published in 2010. And in this book, Radical, David Platt challenges us as believers to consider with an open heart how we have manipulated the scripture to fit our own cultural preferences we have created a suburban jesus i guess you would say somebody that doesn't ask too much of us doesn't ask us to give up too much or sacrifice too much and we're going to play a little clip from youtube and allow david platt to introduce this book himself take a listen my name is David Platt, and I want to share with you just a little bit about uh, a book that God gave me the opportunity to write by His grace. Think about what it means to follow Jesus. Put yourself in the shoes of a first century follower in a crowd that is following after Jesus, and all of a sudden he turns around and he says to you, if you're going to come after me, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross, an instrument of torture, and follow me. He says things like, if you're going to come after me, you need to hate your mother and father, wife and children, brother and sister. He says things like, anyone who comes after me must give up everything he has. Even one guy who comes up wanted to follow Jesus, eager to follow Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, go, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Then you can come follow me. And we we put ourselves in the shoes of these first century people, and we start to think, how do we respond? Would we really follow after Jesus? And this is where... We come face to face with the frightening reality. That reality is that in the 21st century, Jesus says the exact same things to us. He tells us that to follow him means giving him our affection and our love in a way that makes our closest relationships in this world look like hate in comparison. And he does tell us to give up everything we have to follow him. It is possible that he could say in any single one of our lives, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Then come follow me. Now, we don't think like this. We, say, we look at passages like these where Jesus says words like this, and we say, well, what Jesus really meant was, and this is where we need to be really careful, because at this point, we're starting to redefine Christianity according to our preferences and what is comfortable for us. 
we take the Jesus of the Bible and we twist him into a Jesus that we're a little more comfortable with, a nice middle-class American Christian Jesus who looks like us, who thinks like us, who talks like us, who doesn't call us to go to dangerous extremes. He wants us to avoid danger altogether. And we take the Jesus of the Bible and he begins to look a lot like us. And the danger here is that when Jesus is being twisted into our image, and when we gather together as Christians in our churches and we sing and we lift up our hands to Jesus, the reality is we're not actually worshiping the Jesus of the Bible. Instead, we're worshiping ourselves. And so the point of this book is to dive into who Jesus really is in Scripture and what the gospel really is, to think about what it means to follow after him in a world where so many are without Christ, in a world where so many are, are starving without basic needs. Following after Christ looks radically different than sometimes what we think of in terms of Christianity. And Christ is more satisfying than anything or everything this world has to put together. And what we find is in following him for who he is, we realize that we were created for something much greater than a nice middle-class Christian spent on the American dream. Our lives were created to count for his glory among all peoples, and this is where life is truly found. Wow, so there you have it from David Platt himself. I've already talked for six minutes, so Sherry, let's hear from you. <laughs> what are your what was your thoughts on the book whenever you whenever you read it? Just give us just a real quick summary of just your thoughts. Okay. When when I first read it, I thought this is like the title says, really radical. And then I went back and read, you know, quickly just the highlights of it again. And I could see shortfallings in my life that the first time I thought, you know, that's radical. But then I went back and read the scriptures that he had in the book and and just reflected on it and prayed about it. And although I still think that a lot of things are really radical and, you know, I'm not ready to do, but there are so many other things that I could do that I am not doing in my Christian walk. Missy, give us your thoughts on what we've what we've what you've read. Just a quick summary of of your thoughts on the book. Well, when I first um, heard David Platt there speak, and then um, read his first chapter, I guess I was a little startled, or maybe even scared somewhat, um, because I thought there is no way I can do this, or am I doing this? And I had to really reevaluate a lot of the things um, in my life, and I thought are you radical at all um, through this? Because, you know, um, but as I read, I, I, I did. My eyes were opened a little bit, and I think the book brings you back full circle by the end. And um, I echo what Sherry stated in hers, is that um, as you go back and look at the Scripture and you coincide it with some of the things that um, he mentions in the book, it really does um, make you understand that or make you think I'm guilty of conforming God to my life as opposed to my life to God because I make him fit in this um, realm of contemporary and modern and what, um, how I want to live. And, and you know, we, we pray and we read the Bible and we worship. And, um, but in the, on the back of his book here, it states, um, he said, leave behind security, money, convenience, even family for him. But who do you know who lives like that? Do you? No. And I thought, yeah. And, and, you know, we all have 
talk, could we do the things of the, the people in the Bible? And, and what kind of, you know, I think sometimes what kind of Christian am I? Could I, could I follow, pick up my cross and follow Jesus the way they did in the Bible or the way that the radical movement that David Platt mentions here and, and, and speaks of what we should do? And, um, you know, it, it made me reevaluate a lot of things. So I think giving the book a try and um, trying to understand and coincide it with the Scripture and look at it, um, it's definitely worth the read and makes you think a lot about your Christian life and our churches and our world. So being radical for Jesus Christ, what does that mean? Where do we begin? The shock value of some of these books that are coming out, and there's another uh, uh, movie that's called The American Gospel. Have you guys got to see that yet? No, I haven't. Oh, my gosh. It's on Netflix. But you can also watch it on, on YouTube. What we discover by watching that film is that western civilization we have taken the god of the bible and conformed him to us we all want a nice middle-class jesus that's white (laughs) and he doesn't ever ask us to give up anything sure he doesn't ever ask us to sacrifice anything but if we'll just place our trust in him, then we've got our golden ticket to heaven and he's going to bless our lives. He's going to bless our hobbies and, and we're good. That is not what the word of God teaches us to us. Now that is a shock. What did I actually sign up for? And Jesus says, in order to follow me, you must first deny yourself, pick up the cross and follow after me. It is, and Sherry mentioned uh, being comfortable, and we, we do keep ourselves in comfort zone. Um, and we're comfortable here in Teleco Plains or Monroe County or even Tennessee um, to witness and to go out and to not really put ourselves in danger. And, you know, in, in the book Radical, it talks about um, Sudan and Bangladesh and Pakistan and and how many people in the world absolutely do not know Christ and that, um, you know, he has commissioned like you know one of the last things before he God ascended into heaven after he came back after he was resurrected was to give the gave the command to the disciples you know go and make disciples of the world on all the earth Mm -hmm. and baptize them and um we stay in that comfort zone sometimes and um, I know Sherry is really involved in, in making you know food for people and delivering it and and there are things that each of us do uh, in our churches all around and um, that that uh, minister and have missions but I feel, still think sometimes we stay in those comfort zones do we travel to the places um, that really truly need to see God's love and and see that or do we stay in comfort zones and you know, science teaches us that it's only through duress, stress. Uh, you've got to break down the muscle before it can actually grow. People that work out, people that run, people that exercise, you have to almost push your body to the point of exhaustion and allow it to recover before it can actually grow. In our faith, do we ever push ourselves to that point of just exhaustion or do we are we just comfortable and you know what happens when we get comfortable we get lazy <laughs> we we get a la- we get lazy and i think that's what happens with with the 
the modern day church, especially over here in in America, especially in our community uh, of Teleco Plains. You know, we we get we get comfortable. We we get have have gotten lazy on God, and what we've done is we've manipulated the gospel to fit our perspective in our lives. And as a pastor, I have a responsibility to not preach the gospel of my choosing, but the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in Scripture, the Bible says that it's like a two-edged sword, that it'll cut, mm-hmm. that it that it will hurt sometimes. I agree. And, it, you know, abandon, radical abandonment is to abandon everything for Christ. And sometimes we feel like we abandon certain things, um, in the world so that we can follow Christ, but that's not truly serving the Christ of the Bible and, and giving up what we need to give up um, to truly follow what he has asked us to follow. Um, it says that in the book, it says, Christians, you will be betrayed. God was betrayed. Mm-hmm. You will be betrayed. And it talks in the book also about following Christ will not be easy. Uh, you will be hated. The world will hate you. And when you follow Christ, God was hated. You know, Jesus was hated in his walk. And um, the book talks about you will be in danger. I mean, your life will be in danger also when you truly uh, abandon everything and give up um, give up your life for Christ. Um, and like David Platt said, not to put ourselves in purposeful, dangerous situations, but being a Christian in today's world, um, it, it is dangerous. It is in danger if you truly abandon Well, it should everything. be. Absolutely. But you know what, Missy? I've never really been in danger. No. We don't put ourselves in those places sometimes. I, I mean, I've, I have committed my life to serving Jesus since I was 16, got saved in an early age. I've knocked on doors. I've witnessed to people from all different walks of life and I've never felt in danger. One time I got chased by a dog, <laughs> you know, but that's just dogs. I have, I got chased by a dog on my bicycle, but I'm not, I'm not in danger. I'm not, I'm not going hungry. I've got shelter. I've got food. I have a family, you know, I'm a public educator and a bivocational pastor. I don't have a whole lot of money in my bank account, but we've never starved. We were not missing payments. I mean, I guess I am living the American dream. And, and what I, have we sacrificed? What have we sacrificed, Sherry? Is that radical? Is that radical? I, or is that just the basic? To I'm, me, I feel like I feel like that is God's blessing upon my life. I've, I've, I'm serving the Lord. I'm, I'm committed to him. And he told uh, his disciples, he said, listen, if I provide for the, uh, for the, for the sparrows, for the fowls of the air, I'm going to provide for you. If I, clothe the grass of the field I'm, I'm also going to clothe you i mean i see this as god's faithfulness in my life that i have sowed good seed and god is allowing me to reap a harvest of, of blessing now if i take those things that's in my life and place them before christ if I mess up my priorities, if those get out of alignment, you know, one thing that we don't see a lot of is like idol worship in groves. This was something that the children of Israel, you read it in the scripture, they would place an idol on a mountaintop or they would make a temple for uh, a, for Baal worship. We don't really see that anymore. But these idols in our life, 
I mean, you want to say something about idols in our mm-hmm. lives, Sherry? Yes, I. You know, we don't see that in ourselves, though. We do have idols, or right, Netflix. Think, yes, and like I'm watching <laughs> something right now on Netflix, and it just I'll stay up half the night. Do I stay up half the night studying my Bible, or stay up half the night praying? You know, no, I don't. But I put in all that time watching the show that I like, and so we don't we don't necessarily erect these golden statues anymore. But I mean, we've all got a smartphone, right? Mm-hmm. And and I have disabled screen time on my phone. Like it's that app that says you've spent twelve hours this week on Facebook, and it, I'm like, I don't want to know that. I don't want to know how much time I spent. And it's an inconvenience for me to even address that. So we just hide it, and we don't want to talk about it. But really, we all have idols in our life. And I think that when we start to confront that, it gets uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> most definitely. It gets uncomfortable. And so in, in, in Radical, Platt really just – he really confronts the modern day Christian, the church, and what does it really mean to be radical? Missy, you said it exactly right that we should face persecution. I don't think that we should seek danger, but by serving Christ, there is some type of in, inerrant danger there. Missy, you said taking vegetables to the elderly. What a great ministry! Yes, what a great ministry. Helping the poor. We should do that more often. The Isaiah 117 house that they're trying to raise money for right now. That's a no-brainer. Helping kids that have been removed from a, a home because of drugs or because of abuse or who knows what. But why wouldn't the church be involved in that? That's right. uh, the house that Mercy built. River of Life, it's a fantastic ministry that they've been serving in our area for many years, taking women who uh, are addicted to uh, opioids or, or various substances and rehabilitating them through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Miracle Lake is another men's, fa- men's facility. Um, there's several other institutions around here, and the church needs to be involved somehow. And, and, and I think some, for us sometimes, though, it's just, well, I give my tithes. I give my money. I mean, I'm saved, but I do my part. I show up to church. I give my money, and that's it. And that is not what we've been commanded to do. Ladies, What's what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think we have to open our eyes and pray about what it is that we need to do as an individual. You know, when I decided to retire and my heart's desire was to, you know, feed people that were in need or if someone had cancer and they needed a ride to the doctor or for their treatments, I wanted to be available for that. And to some that might seem like a sacrifice, but it isn't for me. But do I need to sacrifice more? Because that's been easy. You know, it's something I wanted to do and... And I put myself out there and I'm doing it, but isn't there more that I can do? Have I really sacrificed? Now, sacrifice is what really stood out to me a lot in the book, too. It just kept resonating with me. Am I sacrificing? Or, you know, when I pay my tithes uh, or give my tithes 
every week? Uh, am I going above for other things that I'm given to, or is it just in my comfort zone? Like you said, I've got to get out of my comfort zone. I've got comfortable with this, but what else can I do? You bring up a good point, Sherry. And there's one thing that I worry about. I've pastored for many years, and I've seen people commit their life to Christ. And within the first month, they're trying to do everything. They want to sign up for this ministry. They want to they want to you know be part of this mission event, or they want to help in this area. And they're like a bottle rocket. They, and we just got through with the Independence Day. And then they're done. I don't want to be a flash in the pan. I want to do something that is sustainable for the long run. And when Christ called us to make disciples, I think that's what he was trying to get at, is we need to develop people spiritually to where they can be strong. Because he even references, uh, it's referenced in Scripture that at one point they were on the milk of the word, which is like a baby, and they need to transition and become be on the meat of the word. There are deeper things in our walk of life than just attending church, than just, you know, worshiping or, or, or singing a song on, on Sunday morning. There's, there's more to it than that. Missy, you brought up something kind of in the, when we discussed yesterday at the um, coffee shop, but we talk about this golden ticket. People today, especially in in our culture, you read about what David Platt says, there's 4.5 billion lost people in the world, people who have never placed their faith in Christ. And yet when you visit around Teleco, everybody's saved. Every door that I knock on, people saved. You know, they're not going to church, but they're saved. They've got the golden ticket. Or I can't tell you how many people's on the church roll right now, but not not attending church. And they've got the golden ticket. There's nothing that we read about Scripture that says once you get saved, that's it. Missy, we talk about that just being the beginning. Right. Once you accept Christ, that's the beginning. And Jesus said we need to make disciples. You got something you want to say over there? I was just going to add to what you stated. Um, you know, we bow our heads and we say the sinner's prayer and we accept Christ into our heart. And even uh, in the uh, radical book, it talks about um, accepting Christ. God doesn't need us to accept him. I mean, he wants us to follow him and, and put him in our heart and, and be saved. But um, it almost sounds like in our contemporary Christian walk that, okay, God, I'll accept you into my life. Um, and that's that's getting you to the point that you have committed your life to Christ or you're going to commit your life to Christ and you've prayed the sinner's prayer. But then that just begins the, the phase that God really wants to move you forward into and it's discipleship. Um, that's what the, you know he, David Platt talks about in the book is being disciples for Christ and taking it further. And Sherry, I think that, that all the work that, that we do as Christians and churches here in our own communities and, and neighboring communities and, and is critical. And that has to, to continue as a, as a basis for our, our church and our lives and our, and our missions. Um, and then are we really sacrificing and what do we sacrifice? And, and if you, if you study the book and look a little at the book, they talk about, um, 
the 1040 window of the world and where that is and, and the people in that 1040 window, and I think it's longitude, latitude and, and the, um, on the map, and it pinpoints, like you said, 4.6, 4.5 billion 5. people, something that don't know about Christ and that aren't saved. And it goes on to talk about what we do in missions in our churches and to take a, take a really good look at that in order to, to be more radical and save the lives of those that don't know Christ. Um, and it talks about um, 42 trillion uh, an annual income of our, of all church members. If you have all church members in the United States, that's forty two trillion dollars. And seven hundred billion is given to Christian causes. Six hundred and seventy seven billion, which is ninety six percent, is given to the church and pastoral ministries. Forty five billion, which is six percent, goes to missions in the United States. Point six four percent, not even one percent is given to missions for unreached people that don't know Christ. And that's where David Platt in the book is talking about being radical, reaching those unreached people in our world, like God gave the Great Commission to go and be disciples and save the people of all the earth. And it is it is important for us as Christians to live in our own communities and to do what we need to do to help the people of our community and never discount that, never never make, feel like that's you know not always enough, but... To remember that there are, oh, there there are people in our world that need us to be a little more radical, either in our giving, you know. In, in the book, we talked about when uh, David Platt went to, I think it was Louisiana, to the church, and he was preaching about his missions. And afterwards, the people were like, well, "We're glad you do it because we don't want to do that. We don't want to go there. So we'll give you money, mm-hmm. um, and that's needed. I mean, that is needed. Giving money to missions that is needed too. So that's not to be discounted. But I think uh, what David Platt tries to cover in this book wants us to step out to do that radical experiment that he talks about and we can get to that the five steps that he wants us to be more radical and take that radical experiment to that next level of christianity before before we get to that there's one more thing that that i want to hit on because this idea of we get saved and then jesus never asks anything else else of us there's a man by the name of paul washer and I want to pre- play a little snippet to you ladies, and uh, you guys can, can give me your thoughts on this. Because of a lack of fruit or overwhelming worldliness, they defend their hope of salvation by once again affirming the sincerity of their prayer and the confirmation of their religious leaders. If any counseling is done, a person is usually admonished to turn from his or her backsliding and to begin serving the Lord again. However, the validity of their conversion is never examined or ever challenged. So many people, for example, children evangelism. I would not let my child attend 98% of the Sunday school classes and vacation Bible schools in this country. And I'll tell you why. A bunch of children are brought in and they're told wonderful stories about Jesus. And then, how many of you children love Jesus? I mean, except for the kid in the back with the leather jacket and the signs on his back that have been imprinted by a cultic, you know, satanic cult. Every, other, every kid in that class is going to stand up and go, I love Jesus. Well, how many of you want to go to heaven? Oh, I do. How many of you want to pray this prayer? I will. And then they're marched off to baptism. And a lot of time, the baptismal is dressed up like some kind of a happy party time with graffiti so that they really enjoy it. And then when they're old enough to rebel against their parents, they do. And they live in gross immorality and sin. And then when they're about 25 or 30 after college, they decide they need to straighten things out because morality is really a better way to go. So they rededicate their life and they continue attending church once a week, having just enough morality to dim their conscience and send them straight to hell. 
That's what's going on. And when little Johnny wanders off the path and begins sleeping with his girlfriend, taking drugs, selling drugs, doing everything else, his mother and his father and his pastor goes to him and says, you're a Christian, so you need to stop living that way, instead of saying this, you made the profession of faith in Christ, you were baptized in his name, and for a while it seemed that you did walk with him, but now you have turned away from the faith and you have proved possibly that you never knew him and you've been reprobate from the beginning repent and believe the gospel flee from the wrath to come that's the difference thoughts <laughs> what are your thoughts on that ladies well I, I believe there's a lot of truth in that that's while that's hard to hear um, because all four of my boys were saved at bible school um, that's hard to hear. Uh, and But I believe there is a lot of truth in that. And I think we as Christians need to um, take a real close look at what following Christ means. And while I'm very thankful for our Bible schools, and I do think that is essential in the lives of our children because it does it, it is the first introduction for many to Christ, and that is needed and that is essential. Um, but I think it goes back to what we've stated it's just the very first stepping stone. It's not, yes, I've got them there. Okay, they're saved. Yes, they are saved. And yes, your kids are going to go to heaven. And, and that's a, a amazing time in a parent's life when they witness that and they know that, that they have secured their destiny. But then come to follow, they need to know that it's not easy. It's not an easy life. There's, to there's more to it. I mean, Missy, you guys are, y'all love sports, right? Carters love sports. So we do. Let's just say that your boys signed up for the ball team. And people every time every time something's happened, people post on Facebook and post on there. My boys signed up for the team. That's it. They signed up. Is that it? No, that's the beginning. beginning. <laughs> what happens next? The first practice. And it's not easy. And the second sweat. practice. <laughs> the the games, the, the practice. I mean, there's there's challenges, there's adversity, there's hardships. And yet, in our culture now, I mean, it, it happens around here. It's like, oh, my child got saved, and they're in now. They're good. They're, they're protected because they prayed a prayer and they accepted Jesus. Okay, that's just the beginning. You're supposed to make them disciples. We've yes. been called to make disciples. Mm -hmm. And so... I mean, I've seen so many posts on Facebook here lately, praise God, with Bible schools, and there's parents that are posting that their child got saved, and everybody's congratulating, and that's wonderful, but that's just the beginning. Now the, now the work begins, and, 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 and to miss, Missy, to some, that's radical. It is, and in the book it states, and I question myself, it states, as parents, you know, we are, raise, we are to raise our kids to be disciples themselves, and this, this parent asked, could you raise your child and at the age of, of, of 18 say, okay, I love you. Now go into the world and be a disciple. I'll never see you again for the cause of Christ, or we may never see each other again, but this is, you know, could you do that? And I, I thought, no, no, I, I can't. And then I thought, well, you're not a good Christian then. Are you, know, are you a good Christian if you, if you can't follow and, and, and know that those are expected things sometimes? You know, we talked about, 
where in our lives do we define this is where I'm going to follow Christ and this is how I'm going to follow Christ. This is how radical I'm going to be. This is how safe I'm going to be. And, you know, you're just evaluating that. And, and that book raised a lot of these questions for me. I'm not saying I'm moving to Africa to be a missionary, <laughs> but that raised a lot of questions about what are you willing to do for the cause of Christ and what have you not done in your life for Christ? I've talked to many, many pastors. The goal of most of their ministries, a lot of their ministries, they always pray that someone will be saved. We've been called to preach the gospel, to sow the seed. We water it, but it's Christ who gives the increase. The, the time that a person chooses to follow after Christ is not on our time. Um, people have even referenced this, the, the age of accountability. That's not even really scriptural. That is not referenced in scripture but the Bible says we're begotten by the word and drawn by the spirit. When we all, when each person, whether they're five or whether they're 35, when they come to the realization that their sin has offended God, that their sin has separated them from God, that is the moment when you are ready to be saved. And it is the gospel that transforms us because Jesus died on the cross to save you from your sin. Your sin will separate you from God, but Jesus died so that you could be free, and he redeemed you out of this bondage of sin and wants to restore you to Christ. Once we all come to that realization, which is incredible, that's just the beginning. And so the work of the church is not, necessarily for evangelism purposes missions like what we're what we read about in the book this is for the purpose of evangelism the church should not primarily be a place of evangelism and this is going to be controversial when our seven listeners respond to this the church is not a place primarily designed to be designed for evangelism or uh, making converts and, and people to come to Christ. The purpose of the church should be for discipleship, making disciples. And, and, and as we grow in our discipleship, then that brings fruits of evangelism. But more people come to know Christ because of your faithfulness. More people come to know Christ because of your faithfulness. More people come to know Christ because of our faithfulness. And then they they hopefully get plugged into a church, and that church teaches them how to become disciples of Jesus Christ. And I think what's happened in a lot of our churches is we've got we've become sensationalized with numbers. And I know that we're supposed to report Bible school numbers to the Baptist Association. Sweetwater Baptist Association, which reports that to the Tennessee Baptist Convention, which reports that to the Southern Baptist. How many converts did you have in Bible school? How many professions of faith? And I see people, we had 48 professions of faith in Bible school. Wonderful. How many disciples are you going to make out of that? Okay, Can we get those kids plugged into a church? Are we going to get their mom and dad plugged into a church? I don't want to really know, like, okay, you made a profession of faith now. I'd like to know where you're at a year from now. Five years from now, how is that church going to help you grow? This is where I feel is a shortcoming of, of our church, of, of my ministry, and I, we're trying to rectify that. We're trying to become a church that produces disciples rather than simply converts. 
There's a great statement, Roman, that goes along with that in the book Radical. It says, we sometimes mistake physical bodies for the existence of spiritual life. And, and I thought a lot about that when I read that. There's an old saying, uh, quantity versus quality. We've got it posted out there right now. How many people is here Sunday morning? And yeah, it makes you feel good when you've got 150 people right. coming to church. And when 45 are here, it's like, oh, man, I remember when we was at 150. But, again, that, that is the flesh that's trying to view that tangible number. And based on that, we're trying to determine the success of the ministry. We shouldn't look at it in that perspective. We should be focused on the quality of our discipleship. And the greater quality of disciples that we can produce for Christ. And, and, and it doesn't come from the preacher's sermon. I can't manufacture disciples. It really all boils down to your commitment to Christ. And Missy, I think that's, Sherry, I think that's what we talked about. You know, at the end of the day, you got all these books, these self-help books, these spiritual books that talk about, you know, radical or you know, there's another one I've got over here, not a fan. And, you know, it's it's like, it's it's eye-catching. And you think, whoa, or um, crazy love. Have you guys ever read Crazy Love? Oh, my gosh, that's a that's a, a great book by um, by Chan, Francis Chan. Another, another great, crazy love. And we read these books like, whoa, crazy love, radical, not a fan, or Jesus freak. And it's like, what? It really all boils down to the heart. And are you, are you, are you ready to commit your life to serving Jesus? And I think that some people made a profession of faith too early in their life. And rather than seek out, rather than, I I, I mean, I hate to say this, but rather than seek out kids who don't know what they've done is wrong. And, but we think we we get them saved early. We get them saved early and, and they'll be okay. It, you can't save them on your timetable. It's Christ. Mm-hmm. When when Christ reveals to them their sinfulness, that's when they're ready to be saved. It's not about keeping them safe and protective and God's halo of, 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 of grace around them. When the Holy Spirit reveals to them it's time to be saved, then they'll truly commit their heart and life to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And you talk about a transformation that'll take place. They'll be committed to the Lord. And the children of Israel, they served God faithfully for many years until they took their eyes off of God. We're guilty of taking our eyes off of God all the time. Netflix, smartphones, our jobs, our careers, our own ambitions. And when we lose sight of that, hopefully at our church, there is a minister, a preacher, who preaches the word of God and it convicts our heart and we repent and say, God, forgive me. I mean, I think this is something that we've all lost sight of. The apostle Paul said, I die daily. I have to repent every single day. I mean, I'm trying to read my Bible. I'm actually trying to read the Bible through in a year, which is radical to to, to some people. But that's my personal conviction now, whether you read through the Bible in a year, and I've heard some people say, I just read one verse a day, and I meditate on that verse every day. Or my time in the mor- my time with Jesus is in the morning for coffee. 
I don't like coffee and I'm not a morning person. So I can't, I can't do that. <laughs> My time is usually in the evening. I'm a night owl. I love to stay up late at night. Um, but I have to be careful because when I'm on my phone or when I'm watching TV or playing video games or whatever, I I have to make time for the Lord. Or I I can't make so much time for my family that I neglect my relationship with Christ. Some people, their time with the Lord is on their lunch break. Some people, their time with the Lord is, is in the evening or they, do, they choose to do a devotional with their family. I mean, whatever, however... You can grow closer to Christ. That's the main thing. And I don't want to suggest that I'm going to impose my faith or my requirements on you. But you've, we've each got to get to that place in our life where we're sincerely seeking the Lord Jesus. And by doing that, he will transform us and the world will know. Uh, Sherry, what's one of your favorite meals that you have have can make i'm oh, just something simple like chicken casserole mashed chicken potatoes <laughs> i know you talk about meatloaf yes Does meatloaf it, what's something that what's in the, some ingredients that go in meatloaf well you have your ground beef and i put a little bit of sausage in there and tomatoes and onions and tomato sauce and and you season it yes co- season co- correctly it. Mm-hmm. right <clears throat> here's the thing the bible compares this to being salt and that is a seasoning. Without seasoning, what happens? What does food taste like without seasoning? Bland. Oh, yeah. It's bland. <laughs> that was the word. It's bland. And how? And the Bible says, if the salt has lost its savor. I think that many Christians, whether they're defeated, discouraged, disconnected. Whoa, that's right there. There's a sermon. Three D's. You know, <laughs> defeated. Discouraged, disconnected. Can you guys think of another one? Defeated, discouraged, disconnected. Disheartened. Disheartened. Okay. I mean, we've probably all been there at one point in our life. And and then, you know, like somebody preaching and, and trying to make them feel guilty and, and we're going to heap guilt on them and that'll cause them to repent. It's the guilt is not what causes us to repent. It's the love of Christ that causes us to repent, that God can renew us, that God can offer us something better. And hopefully when we recommit our life to Christ, it motivates us to serve him. And so that's really what we, what we, uh, we're going to kind of wrap this up right here. Um, David, he makes, he puts out five challenges. What exactly is it, Missy? How is it that he exactly says it? It's for the um, radical experiment. The radical experiment. And this is for everybody. You know, if you, and, and this is not a one size fits all, like I said, but it's something to help advance you or at least move you in the, in the right direction. Number one, what was it, Missy? Pray for the entire world. Pray for the entire world. And, I mean, we can, and, and, and you say, okay, God, just bless everybody in the world. In Jesus' no. name, amen. I, no. <laughs> I think it's more than that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, purposely. Purposely. Yes. You know, we've got to pull out, you know, with a purpose. Uh, and just about anything in Christianity, really. Intentional. Intentional, Intentionally. Yes. And, 
you know, rather than rather than say, pray for everybody in the whole wide world because God knows your heart. Here's what I would encourage you to start doing. Pray for those people you work with. Visualize them. Visualize their family. Pray for those people that you go to church with. Go row by row. Take time to pray for them. Pray for someone you're upset with. Ooh. Yes, an enemy. That's what <laughs> an I was enemy. thinking, pray an for enemy. You're mad at. Pray for your enemies. Pray for your enemies. And, and you want to know what's radical? The, what does the world say that we should do to our enemies? Lash out. Lash out. Vengeance. Mm-hmm. Get even with them. But what does Jesus say? Love them. Oh, yeah. you know, Love them. That's radical. Yes. The, the world doesn't say that. Jesus says, love them. And that's and what a, a release that is when you do. It's yes. very powerful. It is. Freeing. And, and that's that's radical to many people, but that's what Jesus says. Mm-hmm. Love your enemies. Do good to them who spitefully use you. Wow. I mean, before you start praying for the whole world, why don't you start there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> why don't you start there? Or... You know, pray for the people on your ball team. Pray for those people that's in your school. Be intentional when you pray. Call people's names out. Pray for those people that you pass by on the road. But you're engaged in an intercessory prayer for individuals. Another thing, what was number two? Sherry, do you have that? Read through the entire word. Read through the entire word. Word of God. I think for people to read through the entire Bible, that's like a milestone to read through the Bible. I read through the Bible. Well, as believers, that should be one of our goals, to read through the entire Bible, to be familiar with God's Word. What does the Bible say? I will hide your Word in my heart so that I will not sin against thee, O Lord. We say that in Bible school. Mm-hmm. You know, hide your word. I mean, that's one of the, you're yeah. right. That is a, that's the pledge. It's a pledge of the Bible. I'll, you know, uh, you know, to, to be familiar with the word of God, to be intimate with the word of God, to share. I can, there's certain movies I can quote. I love Lord of the Rings and I really like Pirates of the Caribbean. That's a guilty pleasure. And I love, I love those movies and I can quote them. Why can I quote them? I've spent time with these movies, with these shows, and I can I can quote them. Uh, there's another show that some people like to watch, The Office. Y'all ever watch The Office? Yes. You've seen The Office? I've seen it. I don't I don't watch it. Well, what's know, like I a go to favorite TV show for you, Sherry? Uh, I'm old school. Are you <laughs> like a, Andy Griffith? You're Andy Griffith, yeah. Mash. Yeah. Okay. Those old those old shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, Missy, what about you? Uh, I read my books, but I do. Flip through Netflix lots. I don't really have a go-to show. I, I'll, I'll stop so favorite anything. movie? Grease. Grease? <laughs> so how many, how many times did you say you've probably seen Grease? Oh, I don't know. 170, no. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> 12, 13, 20. Yeah. But, you know, if Grease is on, it's like, oh, Grease, you know, I love that. We should be as passionate about the Word of God, you know? And, I mean, it should it should also be like that in, in, in church where – you know, when church becomes a hassle, when church becomes a stress, when church becomes an obligation, then 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 something's out of balance, something's out of whack there, and we need to we need to try to reevaluate what's happening, 
And I feel like that's where our, a lot of our churches ha- have become, whether it's the, the church leadership's fault, whether it's the individual's fault, you know, but church should be all about the preaching and the teaching of the word of God and making disciples. Number three. Sacrifice your money for a specific purpose. And this is one of the also the, the problems that I had with this book. The world's problems will not be solved simply if Christians gave more. Like if we gave more money, it's not going to solve all of the world's problems. Right. And I think a lot of our problems are political. A lot of our problems are because the world is in disarray. There is biblical prophecy that's being fulfilled right now because of problems and situations in the world. But I do believe that we have responsibility to give and serve, to use our our finances responsibly. The Bible's called us to be good stewards of, of what God has entrusted us with. But if we simply gave more, I don't know if that necessarily fixes all the world's problems, but I do believe that we need to give. And be specific about it. And, 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 but be specific about it. And that was number four. Uh, spend your time in another context. And I think how we can kind of like simplify that. Jesus teaches that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I think in our world, we are very selfish by nature. What can me, my, my family, I, what's in it for me? And Jesus says, give, serve, help, do. Or a lot of those opportunities should be extensions of the church. And I think that also means in another context than, than your comfort and what you're normally doing. If you have the ability or have the time and can't, or make the time, not even if you just have it, but make the time and spend it in some in another context of some kind in the name of Jesus. All right. Uh, Sherry, do you have anything that you want to add on that? Not exactly, but something, this was a, something I wanted to bring up that stood out to me in the book also in Chapter 5. It, um, he asked, are you a receiver or a reproducer? Do we just want to receive all of God's blessings or do we want, are we, you know, going out and and producing things for other people and helping other people to see um, and helping with the discipleship like we talked about? And to me, a lot of that, that work should be completed through the local church, mm-hmm. through the local assembly. I mean, that's, that's, how, that's how I see it, mm-hmm. that a, a body of like-minded believers should be able to accomplish the kingdom work of Christ. Are you a, what was it? Are you a receiver or a reproducer? Reproducer. reproducer. That's very, very important there. And then number five, it says, commit your life to a multiplying community. We need to be mindful that we're representing someone other than ourselves. So big picture, we're going to close this up. We're going to wrap this up right here. So I asked you guys if you would to try to score the book. Have y'all thought about that? 
Out of five, you guys want to say out of five? Yes, sir. Missy, what would you give it out of five? I think I would give it a four out of five. Um, I think if uh, you should definitely take a look at it, and it's going to maybe take you going back a second time, right, Sherry, to take a look at some of the That's things. Right. But I think you there's a Red Coat Ken story in here that I think was interesting to me you would enjoy. And there's a young lady, uh, what her family did to her because she followed Christ. And um, the truths, there's some truths in here that he mentions, and I think that's worth the read to, to look at several of those too. Sherry, how many uh, stars would you give this? I'm like Missy. I'd probably give it a four. And But it took me going back through the book the second time. If I had just went off the first time without reading the scriptures, because when I went back the second time, I took more time and read uh, scriptures that he referenced. And so that was an eye-opening, convicting. It was a conviction to me on some things. So, you know, I, I um, and you hate to say you enjoyed it. I don't know if I would say I enjoyed the book. I agree. Yeah, yeah I don't <laughs> I think agree. I enjoyed it. But, uh, you know, it was a teaching, more of a teaching uh, book, but I, I agree a small group study would be very good. This book would be very good for that. Well, I mean, Missy, ask your boys if they enjoyed some of their basketball practices. <laughs> no, I'm sure. You know, uh, Brad didn't always. <laughs> I mean, very few people enjoy when uh, a coach is telling you to run harder, and you're like, oh, can't breathe. Run more. Go faster. Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily intended to be enjoyable, no. but, but like I said, Growth usually comes through pain. And self-reflection. Right? So, What did you think about it, Roman? I was actually going to give it four out of five stars, which is obviously not, it's, you know, I can't say this is the greatest book that I've ever read, but it was one of those books that really causes you to think. And now I will say that it's very dense, it's deep. There's so much more in there that we haven't even talked about. Yes. It's not an easy read. No. You know, it's not a children's story. And this is not for the faint of heart. Christian, we probably should have started with this. Yes. You know, <laughs> this, this is a this is a book that is for the, the deep Christian or, or the, for the believer who desires to go deeper in their walk with Christ. And I believe that if if you live by some of the principles in this book, but not just in this book, but also scripture, really, because that's really what all this is based on. You're going to really find deeper meaning in your walk with Christ. So that's going to wrap us up right here. We want to thank Sherry, Missy, for joining us today. This has been Truth Revival Radical Book Review. We're out of here. <laughs>